Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. What a wonderful day it has been, Coach Paula. It has been an amazing day on several fronts. Well, tell me about your different fronts. Okay. Well, I want to back up to, was it Tuesday when Jacob and Shelby and Ellie stopped by last Tuesday? I think so. Yeah. And I was playing with Ellie in the swing and you came out, and when you came out, she saw the basket of plastic eggs left over from Easter, and she associates those with you. So she started saying, eggs! And I just spent the next 45 minutes or so sitting under the covered porch, chit-chatting with Jacob and Shelby, catching up on all the things, but mostly just watching you interact with Ellie, and it was the sweetest thing. It was a blast for me, and it seemed like it was a blast for her, too. She I never mean, got tired of finding another egg in the grass. I mean, when I do the Easter eggs with the baby, she's over it in 19 seconds. And she was just... And this isn't the first time you guys have had this little Easter egg hunt, so I've tried to emulate this. No, it's a granddaddy thing. So I would throw eggs out of the basket when she wasn't looking in a different direction from where she was looking and then she would turn around and she would do a little dance and take off running towards the eggs it was so sweet but then she eventually got tired of running after the eggs and she saw what looked like cobwebs in our fence i think it's probably like cotton weed or something but anyway yeah we have a black aluminum fence and those little spider webs show up between the bars. Or cottonweed, whatever it happens to be. Anyway, she saw it and said, Itsy, as in the Itsy Bitsy Spider. And she wanted me to get rid of what appeared to be spider webs all along our fence. So that was our next little adventure. And we did that together. I had a stick in my hand. And I would tear up the spider web, and then when I would put the stick down, she would pick it up and say stick, and take off walking for another web. But then when she got tired of that, we sat down on the ground, and we're looking at bugs. She likes bugs. She doesn't want to touch them, but she likes looking at them. Well, when I looked, you guys were sitting on the ground petting Milo. Yes, Milo is Jacob and Shelby's dog, Ellie's big brother. (laughs) Ellie's dog. Ellie's dog. Anyway, it was a blessing to have that quality time with her. But back to today. Oh, I, yes. I started my morning with an early morning run before you had to go to work. So you went and picked up Ellie. So when I got home, I got ready and tag teamed you out so you could go to work. And 
Oh my goodness, Ellie was a saint today. We had so much fun. She had not one cross thought all day. You know, with a two-year-old, some days are a struggle. But today she was back to her little earth angel self. And it started raining after her nap. So I wanted to take her to the park. And I had told her when I was rocking her to sleep that we would go to the park after her nap. And she remembered that because when she was eating lunch in her high chair, she was saying, park. And I said, it's raining and the park's wet. She said, oh, the park's wet. And so I said, do you want to go to the library? And she said, no books. No books. Cook. So she wants she, to cook at the library. She wanted to go to the children's play area at the library. And you know what? I bet she cooked. That's what we did. And then she wanted me to play in the playhouse with her. Mm. So it was a good day. And we stayed at the library from, I don't know, a little after 2 until 3.40. In fact, the library is right across the street from where Jacob works. So I texted him and said, we're at the library. Just trying to save him a trip here, but... We left before I heard from him. It was a good day, and it was a good run this morning. It was an easy six miles. Interestingly, Suzanne, whom I was running with, got a phone call while we were running. So we stopped along a fairly busy road, that bypass extension thing that's no longer the bypass. Mm -hmm. So we were just stopped, and she was on her phone. And pretty soon we see this SUV backing up toward us. So a guy who I thought was just a random kind stranger pulled over, backed all the way up to make sure we were okay to see if we needed anything. As it turns out, he had recognized Suzanne. He knew her, but it was still nice to him to come back and make sure we were fine, which we were. And you'd be proud of me. We headed into the hills today on an easy day. Kept it easy. It's good to run on hills. So I've heard. Up and down. Yep. And then Bethany joined us at lunch today, so that always makes for a super good day. Mm -hmm. Good deal. I exercised today. I did my physical therapy, and then I did a little bit of walking on the treadmill, and then I rode the bike indoors. It was a good workout. I'm glad to be able to do some kind of exercise. And my running is going okay. I'm running every other day. I did 6 by 90 seconds with a minute recovery on Monday of last week. And then I had a little bit of tenderness, so I backed off to 6 by a minute with a minute recovery on Wednesday. And I'm just thankful to be able to run, but I need to be patient. Yep. I commented on one of your runs this week. Did you see that? I have not seen that. Yeah, because, you know, got to go in like those... Coach comments, I did see your comment on my workout yesterday, and I appreciate you noticing the consistency. I actually stayed within the pace ranges on intentionally this time. A lot of times on that workout. Up and down the hill. I get a little bored with it, so I try to get it over with and blast up the hill faster than the intention of the workout. And then, you know, it's fine that day, but then... Three days later, when I have a little bit more intensity, I'm still spent from that workout. So today, I stayed within the coach's guidelines, and I think I'm going to feel much better on my progression. Stick with the plan. Stick with the plan. And uh, I am thankful that you are being patient 
and cross-training, like when we have athletes who get injured, some of them just want to keep pushing and dig a hole. So School of Hard Knocks will teach you that is not a good plan. I have been on the mend since January, but thankfully I've been able to swim and cycle and lift weights. Yep, and two out of three isn't bad for your triathlon disciplines. No, and I've got my eyes on Tri Louisville in about nine weeks. Yeah, I learned of that on Facebook. So I'm hoping that I'll be at least up to a 5K, maybe the 10K. Mm. It might be pushing it, though. I should do to you what you did to me. I should put you in the Olympic and say, you know, do the swim and bike, but don't do the run. So, you know, no finish, like set you up for a DNF. But mm-hmm. hey, it was good experience for my long range goals as I was recovering. It was a good playing coach, but it was hard to not do that run. So I see up on your screen something that says R-N-N. Yeah, it's time for random news nuggets. So last week, I had an opportunity to go to a local track meet. I was surprised there were two events that I had never heard of before. Because I've been around track a long time. There was a unified 2x50 relay and a unified 2x200 relay. So when the announcer called it over the intercom, first call, unified 2x50, I just happened to be walking, and there was somebody next to me, and I just said, hey, I've never heard of that. And they explained to me that it is an event where you have a physically challenged person and someone who is not physically challenged in a relay together. So as it turns out in this track meet, there was only one team participating in the two unified events, but that team did great in both events, and it was it was pretty cool. The physically challenged person took the second leg and was the one that crossed the finish line. Yeah, and I think that's great. The Special Olympics and the Paralympic events are great, but to actually have events that are included in a general track meet, I think is outstanding because, you know, you just have a different group of spectators who can um, give them encouragement and credit for their hard work. So I'd never heard of it either, but I think that's fabulous. Fabulous. And along those same lines, recently the Herbalife Pro-Am Olympic distance triathlon took place in Los Angeles, and it consisted of three participants on a relay team. And there were, I believe there were three teams on the men's side and three teams on the women's side. And Lionel Sanders was one of the pro men. Daniel Bakagard was in it, and Sam Long. And on the women's side, Sky Munch and Heather Jackson. There was one other pro woman athlete who was participating and then similar to the unified races that i witnessed these teams had members of the challenged athlete foundation so they had different disabilities but still competing at a high level and then the other the third participant on some of the teams was, you know, kind of like a celebrity. And one of the 
members on Lionel Sanders' team was a UFC fighter who has taken up triathlon. Anyway, it's nice to see sports being inclusive. And as it turned out, Lionel Sanders' team came out victorious on the men's side. Of course they did. You just never know. (laughs) Another random news nugget. The Giro d'Italia cycling race was going on last week. And 22-year-old Biniam Germa won stage 10. And he was the first black African rider to ever win a Grand Tour stage. And I don't, you don't watch as much cycling as I do, but uh, black athletes are not common in pro cycling. But it's good that there's becoming more diversity in pro cycling. Yeah, I was noticing that also in the Kona World Championships that the pro competitors were lily white. Mm-hmm. So after Benium won stage 10... After every stage, they have a award ceremony with, you know, a little podium that the one, two, and three athletes stand on, and Benium, standing on the top step, opens the celebratory wine bottle, and the cork flies up and hits him in the eye, and it caused a hemorrhage in his eye, and he had to drop out of the tour. Wow. It went from a... His best cycling day ever to not such a great day after all. <laughs> Good grief. I didn't know where you were going with that, but yikes. But he's got a lot of talent. His eye's going to be okay. And it's going to be exciting to watch him develop. He's only 22 years old. That's what I was going to ask you how old he is because I hadn't heard of him. He's a young fella. So another news item I wanted to talk about is the Phoenix Sub-7, Sub-8 project which is coming up in just a few weeks. It's an attempt on the men's side to complete a full-distance triathlon in under seven hours, and on the women's side, under eight hours. Now, they do bend the traditional rules in this event. Each of the pro athletes, which there are four pro athletes participating. You have Alistair Brownlee and Christian Blumenfeld on the men's side, and you've got Kat Matthews and Nicola Spirig on the women's side. But each of the pro athletes gets to select 10 pacers to help them out. So it's going to be really interesting. They're allowed to draft on the bike? Yes. Hmm. So it's going to be really interesting because this team of 11 are going to have to really coordinate to maximize the performance of the pro triathlete. And it would be really easy for somebody to get ahead on the bike or... Anyway, it's just going to be interesting. And I'm assuming these 10 people are tag teaming like... There's going to be a specific swimmer to pace. Yeah, they're going to be divided up between swim, bike, and run. And as I understand it, the pro athlete can decide how many swim pacers they want, how many bike pacers they want, how many run pacers they want. So we shall see. But Christian Blumenfeld... Here's probably what I would do. Just thinking, you know, since, you know, these pros really need my input on this. 
but there's I get ten people. Yes. I'm gonna want two in the swim and two on the run, and I'm gonna want everybody else pulling me on the bike. That sounds like a fine plan. <laughs> but it's gonna be tricky on the bike because I'm sure the pro triathletes are gonna be on their time trial bike down in the aero position and drafting, which is typically a no-no. But I bet they will be. So they're going to have to be communicating with each other to avoid accidents and to maintain a, a proper Well, power. I, would, I wouldn't, you know, these people are like Christians, the winner of the Ironman World Championship recently. Like, these six bike pacers aren't going to be with him the whole time. They'll slow him down. So they've got to... Well, these are pro cyclists. I know. Pro time trial cyclists. Right. But for an iron distance, they're still going to have to tag in and out. We shall see. I don't know. I presumed that they would create a wall in front of him to maximize his aerodynamics. I mean, are there going to be six strong enough cyclists to keep the pace he needs to go sub seven? I think so. All right. Well, put this on your calendar. When is it? June 5th? I believe so. All right. So there's a, another day lost to the internet. <laughs> Come on now. No, I, no, I'm truly interested in watching this. Like, I feel like this is something I could get into and really watch. And I'm wondering too, like, do they stagger Alistair's and Christian's start so that their teams aren't interfering with each other? No, I don't think so. I think Alistair is racing Christian and, and their teams. And then Kat and Nicola are racing each other. So they're they're racing against the clock. They're racing against each other. Okay. Competition. Interesting. Bring it on. All right. You know, that's a random news nugget that really caught my attention right there. More so than the wine bottle cork well, incident. I mean, that's just sad, honestly. All right. I've got just a couple more random news nuggets. I saw an article... I believe it was in Women's Running Magazine, talking about Molly Seidel. This is like the third random news nugget you pulled from the Women's Running Magazine. That must be a good magazine. It is a good magazine. I, it's just full of interesting topics. Some of the running magazines out there have been out there so long, it's stale. It's like the same topics recycle all the time. So hopefully our podcast isn't that, but... <laughs> Hopefully we mix up the topics enough, but I am glad you have found, even if it is a women's magazine, that you have found a magazine that's fresh. We do coach men and women. Yes, we do. So Molly Seidel, she has been a very popular person on Instagram and Strava. According to this article, when she posted her marathon from either the Olympic trial or the Olympics, I believe it was from the Olympics, on to Strava, her number of followers grew to 68,000. That's a lot of Strava followers. As you can imagine, that could become a problem. Recently, she's decided to be less visible on Strava, and she's not going to any, into any details, but she said it's important to be careful the data you share in order to remain safe. Because it if you are on Strava consistently and people are following you, they're going to notice your patterns when you run, where you start, what route you take. And being a celebrity, 
You could have stalkers or just fans, maybe people that want to try to run with her. Anyway, for her own safety, she's made the wise decision to scale back her social media presence, at least as far as her location location and time data. Well, and I think that's wisdom, especially for women, to not share your location. Whether It really doesn't matter if you're famous or not. There's some not nice people out there that could get on Strava for all kinds of malfeasance. Yeah. So, yeah. Be careful out there, folks. The last random news nugget I wanted to talk about is a story about Lucy Westlake, who became the youngest American woman to reach the summit of Mount Everest. And she did this at the age of 18 years old. And just a few days or weeks before her high school graduation. And this came from Sports Spectrum Magazine and the Sports Spectrum Podcast. But I want to just read a quote that was shared in that article that I just thought was really good. It says that, according to this, Lucy says, I really hope that I inspire other people to climb their own mountains. I hope that they see me as someone that has a lot of trust in God, a person that will go for it, that really wants to push their limits. That's kind of my mantra that I try to live out, that limits are perceived. I hope to inspire this in other people as well. Maybe they can't do it by themselves, but through God they can. When they reach the end of what they think is possible, there's so much more beyond. I just thought that was really good. I like it. And in case you didn't know, Mount Everest has a height of 29,032 feet above sea level. That makes us seem pretty weak being phased by the 11,000 foot elevation mountain we were on in Colorado. Yeah, of course my mind's spinning because my question is, you're not going to like this question. Okay. What is the oldest woman to ever reach the summit of Mount Everest? I have no idea. Do you know? I don't know, but I might want to find that out. I might have my own record to break. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold up there. This is true. You're not a fan of cold. I'm not, but you know, I'm a fan of challenging myself. Okay. And hey, just when I think I've reached all that's possible... There's so much more beyond. Exactly. (laughs) That's all of my random news nuggets for the day. Oh, well, I thought that was quite interesting random news myself. I do what I can. Yep. So, kind of have some weird stuff on my mind as far as podcast topic. We were asked an interesting question. We have onboarded several new athletes this week, and it's always fun to get to know the personalities and dynamics of a new athlete. And normally, when we first meet with them, it's via Zoom because a lot of the athletes we coach aren't even within our city. So we use technology to communicate, and Zoom has been a great little tool for us to utilize. But this particular athlete, normally when we meet on Zoom, it's because they've already joined the team and we're onboarding them and going through specifics. But this particular athlete was just a little bit unsure that coaching would work for her just due to her crazy, crazy job and hours, which are just like, my mind is blown. 
over it. I won't get too specific just for the privacy of our athletes, but there are times that she's responsible for, she calls it nine days, but it goes over the course of 10 days because one day it starts at 2 p.m. And then on the 10th day, 10 days later, it ends at 4 p.m. But that's nine 24-hour shifts plus a couple of hours. And maybe you get sleep, maybe you don't. Yes, I mean, it's incredible. She and another person job share this 24-7, 365 job. And when one of them's not working, the other one is. So in a normal month, you can maybe spread that out. But when the partner who job shares it goes on vacation or, you know, different things in life happen, it's just a crazy schedule. But when we were interviewing, or when she was interviewing us to see if she thought, A, that she could use a coach, and then B, whether or not we would be a good fit personality-wise, she had gone to our website, ryrenduranceteam.com, a little shameless plug there, and she knew that we were faith-based and really liked to incorporate our faith and sharing of Christ with our athletes like she really loved that aspect of it. But she asked us, and you probably know where I'm going with this. She said, so why do I need a coach? And it's kind of interesting because we didn't know her, had never met her. But what we kind of did is shared from our personal perspective why we need a coach. And then we shared some of the different reasons why our athletes, our existing athletes, tell us that they need a coach. So I thought it would be interesting to just kind of talk through that. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. So do you want to share? Because back in 2014, 15, 16, even though you were a coach, you decided to hire a coach. So I thought maybe you could share a little bit. And I'm catching you off guard. That's okay. I thought maybe you could share a little bit about the benefits of you having a coach and even... Now, as we co-coach all of our athletes, we don't divide up our athletes. We co-coach them because we want to have two different perspectives looking at each athlete, which I think that makes us extremely unique. But for each other, like we do kind of co-coach each other, but I view you as my coach. And I think to some degree, you view me as your coach. Which, anyway, I think it would be interesting for you to share why you hired a coach back in 2014, 15, 16, leading up to your Ironman World Championship, like qualifying for that and competing through it, and talk about the benefits of that first. Sure. So I had become a triathlete, starting off with some sprint distance, Olympic distance, then decided to do the full distance. And just fell in love with it and had big aspirations. Decided that, well, first of all, I was surprised based on my running history that I was not at the top of the field, even in my age group as a triathlete. So it was humbling. And I, I said, and some, he says that because he's been running since third grade and. He just, like, Boston qualifying time was never an issue for him because he could and still can beat his qualifying time by, you know, 
an hour. I mean, and, no, not an hour. I mean, just it was never an issue. Like you were always top of the field in your races and placed when you did road races, running races. Anyway, go ahead with your triathlon. So I was not as successful in triathlon, although I had a blast. It was fun. But at the award ceremonies, I was thinking, I'm not really where I want to be. And for a couple of years, I was developing my own plans, you know, researching, executing. It was very time consuming. And on race days, yeah, maybe I had some small improvements. But if you're only racing one race per year, which is what I was doing, those small improvements weren't enough to get me where I wanted to be. So you and I talked about it and decided it would make sense for me to hire somebody with more experience than I had and I found a coach. And it was a real blessing to have structured training and somebody to ask questions of who knew more about the sport than I did, at least at that time. And so I think it gave me much better, I'm going to call it work-life balance, if we consider our hobby to be work at times. So I had more time for you, more time for the rest of the family. But the improvements were also getting better as well. So for a, a couple of years, I worked with my coach, and together we were able to reach those big goals. Yeah. So for you, while you had a lot of the knowledge and understanding and had put in the hard work and the research, I think you needed that somebody who had been there and done that. Hey, you know how if you write a, an essay or something, you'll, you'll write it, you'll read it, You'll read it again, you'll read it again, and then you give it to somebody else to read, and they find things that are mistakes. It's kind of the same way with your training. It's helpful to have somebody working with you, giving you an outside perspective on on where you're at and what you need to do to take that next step. Yeah, I think that's a great analogy because anytime I proof, like if I write the team note, which is really rare if i reread it it's gonna say what i think it says but when you put fresh eyes on it then you're gonna find stuff that you know maybe i've used the wrong form of you know words that sound the same and not that i think like the other day i was looking at yours and i think it was where and where and you had used the wrong wear and i was just jokingly quizzing you like okay if you were gonna wear your clothes how would you spell that where? And of course you knew it, but you know, when you're typing and just, you know, and I might do that with no and no, I might type N-O when I certainly mean K-N-O-W and it's not that you don't understand it and know it. It's just hard to objectively look at your own work. So I think, yeah, having that fresh set of eyes, I think was great. Yeah. And then also having a coach helped me to execute the right amount of volume and intensity. It would have been easy for me to be too conservative and not do enough training. It would have been equally easy for me to do too much training, too much intensity, and end up getting hurt. So having that outside perspective, keeping me in check, because it's easy for an individual to 
underestimate their abilities or overestimate what they should be doing. Right. And so for me, and you have been my only coach, which is, which is amazing that we have been able to do it this way because, I mean, I really would have no reason to hire a different coach because you have so much knowledge in both running and triathlon. But I didn't always have a coach. I went in alone for a long time, and I love doing the research and creating my own plans. And even though I got into running later in my 40s, just doing the research and creating the plans, and I kind of did what you did in your although you were much younger, is I kind of became that leadership role for our training group and creating the plans. And so I loved mining the data and looking at plans and thinking about things that work. But my problem is if I pull down a plan and I have something on the list, by gosh, I'm going to do it. And so... Check all the boxes. I'm going to check all the boxes. And so the great thing about having a coach... And I'll just talk about my Ironman training. The way you coach, the way we coach, there is no plan as far as here's what you are going to do for the next 16 weeks. Like in our minds, we kind of get to know the athlete, review their data. We know what their first week's going to look like. And we have a roadmap that we design that only we see that if all goes well for this athlete, here's kind of the vision and plan. But with you... Coaching me through Ironman, I didn't see that big picture. All I saw was what is coming up in the upcoming week. And even sometimes you would make tweaks to that. If I had seen what you had planned for me in week four and life happened and I wasn't able to be ready for that in week four and I saw you making those changes, I would mentally be thinking I'm not going to be prepared But since you only put it out there a week at a time based on what I was actually able to implement and based on my power data, heart rate data, my swim data, like all the data you were looking at, I never knew whether I was doing the A plan that you implemented for me or if you were having to adjust down to the C minus plan. I never knew that. I just knew Mm -hmm. my coach knows where I am right now, knows where I want to be in Louisville, and he is creating A to B. And I never felt like there was a checkbox that I wasn't checking off that I, you know, I felt like each week was designed exactly for what was coming up in my week that week and what my level of fitness was. So so there was a, a series of workouts every day that you were checking off, but you weren't looking far into the future on, on how things were changing based on how well you executed. Yeah. And, and you also had some issues with running. So you, you did quite a bit of pool running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the first six weeks of that 16 to 20 week block, you wouldn't let me run. Hence the trial Louisville where I had to do the swim and bike and was not allowed to do the run. I, I had started running a little bit at that point, but I was nowhere near racing a 10K and you didn't want to risk it. But contrast that. With when I did my first triathlon, which was 70.3 Augusta. And who starts with a 70.3 anyway? (laughs) That's a good question. I think I wasn't the only one who that was their first triathlon there, though. They actually asked that as we were getting in the water. But so we digress. But I went to the internet, did research, pulled down a plan, 
and I had to check all the boxes and I and I can remember one weekend we had traveled with friends to Indianapolis and we got home and that plan showed that I had like a three hour bike ride that day. So at night in the dark foolishly I was out there after traveling all weekend doing that checking off that box. Checking all the boxes. Which was probably just digging a hole. But had you been coaching me at that time, you never would have had, no, you would have known those travel plans and you would have had that week arranged where my workload fit my life better. So for me, it was just, I needed in my mind to be checking the boxes and the coach was crafting things in such a way that I wasn't feeling guilty because I wasn't getting all the things done or I wasn't feeling guilty that I was out getting all the things done and therefore neglecting the home front or the work front or whatever. So for me, it was just my type A personality was able to check all the boxes I saw, but my coach knew my personality very well and knew what boxes to put out there each week for me to check. So does that make sense? It does to me. Yeah. So. And then for some athletes, not you or myself, having a coach provide some accountability. So if an athlete starts missing workouts, we are going to reach out and see what's going on. Well, for a couple of reasons. One, we care about the athletes, but we also know they have big goals and we want to encourage them to stay the course, stick to the plan, and Keep at it. Yeah, and sometimes we'll find out there's something going on and we're able to adjust the workouts to where it fits better. So, you know, some athletes are just naturally more extroverted and reach out and keep us in the loop. And some of them we have to kind of gently, like we never want to prior add stress, but we do want to create a week that's going to make them feel positive about life and about training. And I'm just going to say, if you're listening to this and you are stressed about your workouts and there's too much of a load, we would encourage you to to reach out and get a coach who knows what they're doing. And we'd love it to be us, but it's honestly bigger than that. Like just for your health and your lifestyle. I mean, people will drop $250 on a pair of shoes that they can race in four times, but they won't make that investment into coaching and I think if you look at the pricing of it it's extremely reasonable well worth the investment I think I mean and I would second that the investment that we made when I had a coach was well worth it I'm not sure that I would have reached my big goals without a coach or if I did I don't know how many additional years it would have taken. Yeah, and you never know. Maybe you would have. Maybe you wouldn't have. It was a relationship that was helpful for you, for the sport, and for your the rest of your work, life, hobby, all the things, balance. Yeah, and I still consider my coach a friend and touch base with him every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Just on a friendship basis. Yep. This athlete that we were interviewing... It was interesting because we kept referring to her as an athlete. And at some point, she just stopped us in the middle. She goes, I'm just a little bit, like, overwhelmed. You know, she's in her 40s. She's like, 
I have never thought of myself as an athlete and I have never been referred to as an athlete. And I really do think when you're, when you get into sports a little bit later in life, it takes a while to make that mind shift. But I think it's important to make that mind shift. If you are consistently training and challenging yourself, that might be competition, maybe not. If you're consistent, you're an athlete. And most of our triathletes are comfortable and used to being called an athlete, but it's funny in the sport of running, oftentimes runners don't refer to each other or themselves as athletes, but they certainly are. It's definitely a challenging sport. I know we went to a track meet last night for one of our younger athletes and Local athletes. Mm-hmm. She she happens to be local, so we were able to do that. And it's really just, it's fun to, to watch her and her spunk and her energy. And it's going to be fun to watch her develop. But what I was going to say about it is a gentleman who appeared to be in his 30s looks up. He's working on the starting blocks. He looks up and I'm standing, I don't know, 20 yards away. He goes, hey, Miss Roberts. And so when somebody says Miss Roberts, like I immediately know they know me because I was like, they know me because I was associated with education in the school system because that's how education works. He looks a whole lot different, but I was thinking, gosh, what middle school student was that? And then I realized I didn't have him in middle school. I used to teach college part-time in the evening and he was one of my college students and so and he was one of my running buddies for a while too yep so anyway it was good to see him i did not get a chance to go over and talk with him or catch up with him because it looked like he was one of the race officials and believe me i never do anything that would create one second longer at a track meet (laughs) sometimes they do drag on well i'm telling you most important thing you can do as a track coach if you're hosting a track meet is hire somebody who's going to run a track meet so talking about being at that track meet last night i was watching a couple of youtube videos this past week that i wanted to share with a a different one of our athletes the two videos are of mo farah of great britain winning the london olympics 5k and 10k and maybe i'm just weird But watching those two videos almost brings tears to my eyes because of the speed, the effort, the determination. And I've been there, and you've been there. And it's just incredible to watch athletes, particularly runners, laying it all on the line. And you could tell he was like true grit because his form was breaking down and everything he was so spent but he was determined to win that race and and when one of the competitors tried to come around him on the backside, he accelerated to hold his position to force that athlete to take the outer the second lane coming around the final turn it was guts it was guts but somehow he had yet one more gear remaining in the home stretch in both events. It's impressive. Go watch it on YouTube. Yeah, and I will say this. I was frustrated at the track meet last night because, and I get it, it was a smaller meet and nobody wanted to stay there all night, but I was frustrated when they ran 
the boys and girls, 800 together because there were girls there, our athlete included, who were trying to get a personal best time last night. But they were boxed in and blocked by boys who were running slower than the goal time that the girls needed. And so... If they're going to run them together, then they need to coach the boys who are, you know, in general, boys are faster than girls. Like, this is scientifically proven. They should have coached the boys. Listen, if you have a a girl coming in behind you, scoot over and let them. I mean, I don't know. It just, she had to go, she had to really get out there in lane two several times. And, I mean, she still got a personal best, but I think she could have probably shaved another two or three seconds off that if she wow. hadn't have gotten boxed in behind those two boys. And, you know, I'm proud of her and I love her little attitude, but I did not like that the boys and girls were running together since there were some girls who had some big goals and then some boys who were just out there doing it for fun, but didn't, and they didn't do it intentionally. They weren't intentionally slowing her down. They were just running. I think they were going as hard as they could. Well, yeah, and I... Right, but they were not trying to qualify for the state meet. Anyway, it is what it is. It was still fun to watch. Yep. Tomorrow night we're going to go watch a couple of our athletes run a 5K who happen to be local. I guess there are a few perks to being local because we're able to get to some small stuff, but sometimes we end up at the big races with some of our athletes that aren't local, and it's fun to see them in person. Yeah, looking forward to meeting up with some athletes at the Chicago Marathon and the New York Marathon. Absolutely. It's going to be awesome. Yes, it is. So, Coach, that's basically what was on my mind today. And I thought maybe I would let you do the scripture, if that's all right with you. Sure. I've got a scripture to share today. It is Proverbs 19, verse 20. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Yep, and that's what's awesome and necessary to get a coach that's going to give sound advice, and for us, it's important to have the Christian perspective. Amen. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.